So Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to go ahead and start reading while you're turning there. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trans, uh, transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that anyone may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. That's a good section of scripture, isn't it? I was listening to this actually on audio as I was driving one day. And as soon as the reader said, you were dead in your trespasses and in your sin, I immediately got the picture in my head, in my heart, in my head, you guys know what I mean, of an old house, like an 1850s colonial farmhouse, colonial whatever, you know, one of those big old two, three-story houses, (laughs) had a picture of that house and it was old and it was dilapidated and it was covered with... Um, vines and growth and shrubs and, and kind of discolored and, and um, it was very, very specific and uh, I tried to find a, a picture on the internet somehow to describe exactly what I saw but I couldn't find anything because in my picture I also saw on each side of the house a no trespassing sign. Okay, so it was a very unique picture that I felt like the Lord gave me and so I, I, was, I saw it and I was pondering on it and I felt like the Lord whispered to my heart I am really good at creating, but I specialize in renovating. I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, start swerving all over the road. God hath spoke, you know. (laughs) And it was so powerful in that moment. And I I just kind of pondered on that. In fact, that's my sermon in the sentence tonight, if you want to write that down. God is really good at creating, but he specializes in renovating. And my sermon tonight is called Renovated, so you can write that down. Renovated. And I want to start moving forward in this this message, which hopefully will be an encouragement to you tonight, by just defining renovation. Renovation is the process of improving a broken, damaged, or outdated structure. Additionally, Renovation can be referred to making something new or bringing something back to life. Now, there's actually more to that definition. I'm going to read that whole thing with the rest of it at the end. But I want you to just kind of process that old house with me. I mean, we've all seen pictures of old houses like that. And sometimes they'll use that as part of a story in in a movie. Um, uh, Maybe you even grew up in a house like that or whatever. But think about the typical history of an old house like that. Someone in, in, you know, let's say it was uh, 1850s house, 1860s or whatever, you know. 
several generations ago. Someone had in their heart to build a house, you know, and they may have built it themselves or they may have hired, you know, a, a builder or whatever. But there was definitely work. There was definitely skill involved. They had to clear the land. Someone had to build that house. So there's skill involved. I was thinking about how this house was most likely lived in for generations, the same family, because that was very common back then. And you know, somewhere along the line, the people in that house, were, they were just miserable. You know how we know? You ever seen pictures of people in the 1850s? They're always like, you guys know what I'm talking I actually read or heard something one time that the likelihood of someone in one of those pictures being dead is pretty high. Y'all ever, anybody ever read that? Yeah. That they, you know, as a last ditch effort to get something in with granny or grandpa or whatever, they would just open their eyes up, prop them up, and they're all like, it's kind of weird. The likelihood, maybe that's all why they were all like this. But anyway, so in my opinion, they're all miserable. Why can't you smile in a picture? We're all like, why couldn't they do it? Ancient selfies. So then after all those years, all those generations, families and kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and all taking over generation after generation, that house becomes old. It starts becoming worn out. And the family uh, even becomes um, older and and maybe even the family starts dying out. And maybe the very last great-great-grandparent dies in that house. And the family owns the house. It's family-owned. But no one's interest, interested in it. Nobody wants to live in it. Because it's, again, it's old and it's stinky and maybe it's rotted and it's just not somewhere somebody wants to, to be. So the family decides to sell it and they're just going to take the money as their inheritance or, or whatever. So they put the house up for sale. Okay? And then someone with a fresh heart and vision for that old house and, and something new in their life and, and maybe even a vision for their kids and grandkids. They buy this house and most likely will hire a contractor who specializes in house restoration, house remodeling, renovating a house. And they hire it and they begin work on it. And who knows, sometimes a big old giant house like that could take up to a year to, to remodel if they're doing it all in one shot, you know? And so then that couple, they, uh, family, they, they, they renovate the house and it's as beautiful as it ever was. Maybe even better because maybe they did some new things, some fresh things to the house. And then they move into the house and they kick off a new generation of joyful living. You guys know what I'm saying? I mean, if they could make, they need, you know, I should submit this to uh, Pixar. The personality in the movie is the house. You know what I mean? And just watches generations. And maybe the house. And think about an old house. Let's talk about this picture that I have in my head. Thinking, man, that house that I saw looked lonely. <laughs> it looked tired. It looked worn out. It looked hopeless. Thinking, who would want me in the condition that I'm in? And there's no trespassing signs on all four corners. So nobody even has access. Just a really sad picture. And I know it's not the perfect example But maybe it would help give a little bit of insight into what Paul is trying to say here. The depth of what has happened for us in Christ because of the power 
of his resurrection. If you remember Ephesians 1, it ends with talking about the power of the resurrection of Christ. And so scripture tells us that we believers are a house. Did you know that? If you look at 1 Peter 2, 5, it says we're being built up as a spiritual house. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. There's a place in 2 Corinthians that has a little section that talks about how we are a house. We are described as God's house. You've heard it said that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a very common analogy in the word that we ourselves are houses. And I was thinking about how the story of mankind from creation all the way through to Revelations is a similar story to that old house. And this is a simplified version, but you think we were created fresh and new by God himself. In fact, we were created in his image. Man was perfect, but because of poor maintenance, because of poor upkeep, care, it allowed for decay. I'm referring obviously to Adam and Eve and their inability to use discernment and see that the serpent was deceiving them, right? They didn't maintain their house, if you will. And they didn't maintain the garden either, if you really think of it in that way. And then pretty soon, man became miserable in his decay. Man became miserable in his sin. And then man, and really scripture says that all creation began to groan and cry out for help. And so God sent an expert builder, Jesus Christ. Amen? And you guys, there's, it's not a coincidence that Jesus, as a boy and on up into a man, he was raised by a Jewish carpenter. That's not a coincidence. It's like God was making sure in every way that his son was the man for the job. Can you, can you track it with me? And then Jesus shows up on the job site one day and says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And if you think about it, he prophesied over that old house. He prophesied, you will be renovated. You will be restored. And I'm so good at what I do that you will never see decay Again, isn't that good? He prophesied that his church would be huge. He prophesied that the members of his church would be strong. And he prophesied that sin would be destroyed. That's what he was saying all in that moment. You guys know that that word that we feel like God gave us for 2017 is called out. That he's calling out his church to be the light to the world that it was called to be. That he's calling out the members of his church to operate and to step out in faith and courage and in their giftings to help make the church the light that it's supposed to be. And that he's also calling out the sin in his church because he's coming back for a pure and spotless church. He's coming back for a bride without blemish. Now, in order for us to become the house that he's called us to be, that he has in mind, doesn't it stand to reason that we have to let him do his job? True or false, class? Okay, I'm just going to move it right into my content here. And I, what I want to give you is seven, yes, I said seven. There's seven of them, but it's early. Seven renovation considerations. Seven things to consider when renovating a house, okay? So you can write that down. Seven renovation 
considerations. And you're going to notice that they all start with X, E-X. Okay, and I did that on purpose because X relates to the past, doesn't it? X says that, says that something was old and now something else is new. And so I used that very intentionally, okay? The first one I want to give you is, the first consideration is expertise. You're going to renovate a house, you need to consider expertise. If you think about the definition of expertise, it means to possess great wisdom and knowledge of a thing. You don't want just any old Joe working on your house. You want an expert builder. Isn't that right? Someone that has some wisdom and knowledge of a thing. Right? If you look at verse 8, what does it say? It says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. (laughs) It's the gift of God, not as a result of works. There's nothing that you could do. Because if there was, he says, you would be able to boast. It's not of yourselves. I was thinking about how um, DYI is on the rise. You know? So who was it? The talk, I was Kratora talking about Chip Gaines last, last year at the Men's Summit, and it was pretty cool. It's, uh, some of the greatest television, most watched television these days is do-it-yourself uh, shows. You know, how many of you love do-it-yourself shows? We all kind of do. And a lot of us are feeling more confident about being do-it-yourselfers, DYIers. Everybody has little blogs and sites and showing what they do, and that's okay. It's all good. Okay? Do-it-yourself. But see, this house, everybody do this. Say, my house. I actually say God's house. This house, God's house. Do that. (laughs) Just in case I was confusing you. This house, God's house, is a house. It's a job that only he can renovate. Just is. There's not enough good works we could do. There's not enough self-help books that we could read. He is the one who is the expert builder and he's the only one that can renovate this house. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, so God gave him something, he says, like a wise master builder. Your translation might actually say like an expert builder. I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation other than one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And if you really look and and think about all that he's saying, he's basically saying Jesus is the foundation, but because of the grace that was given to him, Paul, to teach and minister, it was a grace given by God, that grace to be an expert builder. Jesus is the foundation, but he's also the expert builder. And you think about the the house that we were describing, that we're talking about, the work of the original builder, the first one who built that 19, uh, sorry, 1850s house, was was probably an expert builder, but maybe in new construction, right? But new construction is very different than remodeling, isn't it? How many of you know that? It's very different. New construction and renovation are very different. New construction is like a single-direction process. Right? You begin by building. You begin by gathering the materials. I mean, I'm sure there's some clearing and some prep work, but as a whole, you begin by building, whereas renovation is like a, a, um, a two-direction process. You actually build by destroying. If you think about it, tearing down and, and breaking off and ripping open parts of that old house before you can even begin to rebuild. It's similar work to new construction, but it's very different. It takes an expertise that goes way beyond what new construction 
whatever required, even demoing. Think about demoing. How many of you have ever, ever demoed something for the purpose of remodeling? You got to demo in such a way that you don't, you don't take it out without destroying whatever it is you want to leave to reuse, right? And that's not easy depending on what the project is. You got to demo that out without destroying the very thing that you still want to keep. It's a very, very specified, specialized task, skill, expertise. The second thing is renovation is extensive. <laughs> you can write that in. Extensive. It's extensive. If you don't know what extensive means, it basically just means of great extent. <laughs> A great word that you can use is major. Okay, uh, in, in our tech context, it's major work. Okay, it's extensive. Look at verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in our transgressions. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and he raised us up with him and seated us up with him in heavenly places. He says, even when you were dead in transgressions. Let me say it again, dead in transgressions. Sometimes I, I'm not sure if we realize the depth of the work that Christ has done and is doing in our hearts. You know, like the depth of what we think he's done. Which, oh, Jesus touched my heart. Jesus really touched my heart. Like, that's all he needed to do with your heart? You just touch it? I'm thinking, that's all. And I hear what I'm saying. Not that that's a bad, of course he touched our heart. But are you kidding? Like, I think about my heart and what he did. He took out a sledgehammer and he began knocking down walls of separation. In fact, it goes on and talks about in that in Ephesians in verse 14, 214. How he, and we're going to talk about that next week, but he, he tears down walls, people. He don't just touch. He tears down only for the purpose of building up, but he tears down stuff. He doesn't just touch us. <laughs> I was thinking about the house that we're in. We bought a house built in 1965, kind of that uh, um, rent-style home, you know, mid-century, all the brick and Brady Bunch, you know, all that and we did a lot of a lot of remodeling. I knew we were going to have to. We knew we were going to have to do that when we bought the house, and and um, and we got a great deal on it. And we can do that. We can do that. But man, we did a lot of stuff. And then and then one day I noticed this was probably a year after we were there, maybe two. I don't remember. But I noticed in one of our bathrooms there was this there was this uh, uh, linoleum stuff kind of coming up. We knew that we wanted to replace that anyway one of these days. But I noticed it is coming up, and that can't be good. And uh, but I didn't do anything for a while. I thought, well, you know, it's it is a bathroom. It's probably a little moisture, and, and the glue's coming up or whatever. But whenever you start seeing a mushroom grow up right there, something's not right. You know, I'm like. I'm like, can you eat that? Can you smoke that? We probably shouldn't do that, you know. You got this mushroom coming up in the bathroom, man. And I thought, well, that can't be good. And so I had a, a, somebody come out and, um, and thought, well, we'll just jump into whatever needs to be addressed here. And we pull up the linoleum and come to find out it was really rotted all around there. And we thought, oh, I bet there's a leak in the shower pan and the tile, you know, probably need to regrout it or maybe even retile the bottom. Okay, well, let's tear some of that tile out. And what we realized is there wasn't a shower pan. It was just straight tile to, to uh, you know, the wood, which actually wasn't there anymore. <laughs> there literally was nothing there and the, and the water damage had, had um, creeped up the walls about that much. So we literally had to tear down the walls. And those guys doing that, I mean, they're busting. They got sledgehammers in there. And I, it's like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Well, um, builder, just touch it. 
(laughs) Just touch it. That'll get it. No, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus has to get a sledgehammer on some of the stuff in our lives. Does that make sense? Extensive damage to that bathroom. Bottom line, and even in verse 1, if you go back and look, it says, You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. To think that the damage there isn't somehow extensive. I'm talking about this house, okay? I'm talking about your house, unless I am talking about your house. You were dead. Dead. I'm like, no breath, no breathing, no movement, you know? We're dead. You know, propped up in the photo. Dead. Listen, your heart, people, listen to me. Your heart wasn't repaired. It was replaced. That's what the expert builder has done. Ezekiel 36, 26. Moreover, God says, moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. He didn't just touch us. He took a sledgehammer. He says, he says I'm going to remove the heart of stone. How do you remove stone? You have to chip it away and beat it away, right? You don't just touch it. Unless you're Moses, you can touch a rock and water pours out. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> the third thing is... When you undertake a remodel, renovation, it is exponential. <laughs> it really is. Exponential means more and more and more. It grows and grows and grows. You guys hear what I'm talking about? How many of you know it's exponential? In verse 7, it says, So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. And really, I hear I have two things in mind when I say exponential. One is during the process you know, during the process, the renovation is always more than you, you think it's going to be. Isn't that right? It's always more. Well, I can do that. And then you open it up and you're like, oh, oh Lamont, this is the big one. You know? Yeah, anyway. Just keeps going and going. Exponential problems. It's like pulling on a thread. We were talking with someone the other day. It's like pulling on a thread. It's like, oh, no, no, no. And it just keeps Unraveling, But the second thing I had in mind really, I believe, goes in line with what he's saying even more here. Is so that in ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace. In other words, after the renovation process, after the renovation process, there's still upkeep to do. There's still things that you have to do to, to maintain it. It's like, the, it's like it's never really over. And those of you who have done there, been there and done that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Always something to repair. Always something to take care of. It's like even in that shower that used to have the mushroom growing up, you know, the boys take a shower in there, and I'm always like, boys, wipe off the, wipe off the water off the floor when you're out, please. You know, because I don't want that to ever happen again. Okay, I don't want them to get a hold of mushrooms in our bathroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> but listen, Christ is... Listen to me. Christ has given us a new heart. But we have to keep it pure. Isn't that true? Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? Scripture tells us to have the mind of Christ. How do you do that? By renewing your mind. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's our responsibility. I I, I saw this, and I want to read it like I saw it because I really liked it. This was in a commentary I read. It says, we are purged from sin by the Holy Spirit of God. It is from our depraved natures that sin comes with all its pollution. So it is by the renewal of our natures back into the image of God that we are made holy. 
And then he refers to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. He refers to Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He says, The Holy Spirit cleanses us by strengthening our souls by his grace to fulfill our duties and to resist actual sins. Then he says, I love this, But if we do sin, it is the blood of Christ that cleanses. First John 1, right? If we do sin, we have an advocate who intercedes for us. Isn't that what scripture tells us? So this is, I was thinking, this is where most believers are falling. Okay, you're saved. You're in the Lord. Okay, great. But are you maintaining? Are you taking care? You know, you, you expect the expert builder who installed your floors to come in and be the one who also rewaxes them. But that's not how it works, is it? He does what he does. And then it's a wonderful partnership, the partnership between us and the expert builder, isn't it? He does what he does. We do what we do. We have a responsibility to continue to labor in, in certain areas. The fourth thing is, fourth thing to consider when considering renovation. Remember, I'm talking about our heart. Is exposing. Exposing. I was thinking about this word exposing. I thought there are actually aspects of renovation that can be embarrassing. <laughs> I meant to tell this. Uh, I passed over it in my notes, but I meant to tell a story of, of uh, one day I was, you know, we knew that there was a little soft spot in the floor in our living room. It's like, well, it's an old house. It's, you know, it could be a piece of wood is messed up or a little bit of sway in the um, thing and under it or whatever. Anyway, so I invited a, a friend of mine to come over and, and hey, let's look at this. Let's repair this. I think it might be, you know, at most maybe a five by five little section. 300 square foot later, we realized that the whole living room floor was basically rotted. We replaced beams. We replaced subfloor and top layer in the flooring. It was a nightmare. I was, I was kind of embarrassed. On so many levels. You know what I mean? Think about that bathroom. It's embarrassing. Somebody come in there. You didn't know that this was what you did. Well, look at this. It's just kind of embarrassing. It's exposing. It's like this. You know, even like, ooh, look what's under your house. It's a dead armadillo or whatever. It's like, ah, you know. You don't want people to see the dead armadillo under your house. We didn't have a dead armadillo. It was, it was, a, it was a dog. But <laughs> I'm kidding. There wasn't anything. The smell was genuinely my boys. It was their bathroom. <laughs> I thought about how we can either expose our own issues or ignore it and let it be exposed in a way that's completely humiliating. I want you to hear me real careful. We can either expose the issues in our lives on our own or we can ignore it, cover them up, keep them hidden. And let them be exposed in another way that will humiliate us, humiliate our family, humiliate our bosses, our friends, our teams, or whatever. I mean, what if a guest had taken a shower <laughs> in that shower? They're all washing and zestfully clean, you know, they're washing, and all of a sudden they just fall through the floor. <laughs> You know, in so many levels, you know. I 
that would be humiliating, so embarrassing. Or what if, what if uh, you know, when we, start, when we started to tear out that floor, we got to the section where the, where the couch was, where our couch was. People sit there. People have been sitting there for, you know, years, but even that time we had it. How many times we had people sitting in on that couch? Lots of people. Teenagers jumping on it. So we were, we were demoing up that area, and I literally fell through the floor right through where the couch was. What if we had had guests, guests over there one night? Everybody's got coffee and hot coffee and their danishes, and all of a sudden, boom, boom. Verse, verse 3, it says, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. I'm going to skip over to Galatians chapter 5. You don't have to turn there, but you can reference it and read it later. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say walk by the Spirit. We talked about this last week a little bit. And this is the, this is the place I was referring to, but I'm going to read it tonight. And you, were, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh if you walk by the Spirit. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you, that you please. Then it goes on in verse 19 and says, you know, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Your, your translation may say obvious. The deeds of the flesh are obvious. These are the things that are of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, which means people siding against others and teams of friction, uh, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is my, one of my favorite places in Scripture. It's one of the first things we would have our kids memorize, but the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, the exact opposite, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. And then he says in verse 24, now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and its desires. And I want to reference 1 Corinthians uh, 3 um, again, where it says, according to the grace given to me, like a wise master builder. Remember, I was talking about that a second ago. It ends that section by each man's work will become evident. Now listen, this is why I believe that God invented confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, going to a, going to a, um, a, a box and, and confessing to someone unless that helps you somehow. I'm talking about the confession when we confess our sins to the Lord. Lord, I hurt your heart. I, I was wrong in what I did. Please forgive me. Or, you know, it says that we should confess our sins to one another in James chapter 5. If, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. And then in verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you be made whole, so that you would be healed. There's something about confession. There's something about opening up and exposing your sin that brings freedom. It's crucial to um, renovation in your life. You want to become the person Christ wants you to become. You have to go through the exposure of your sin. You can't skip that 
apart, just like in the tabernacle system of worship with Moses. The first thing you encounter when you come into that place or that progression of worship, you come to the altar of sacrifice. You can't go around it. We've talked about that before. You have to sacrifice. You have to get rid of that stuff. You have to put it on the altar and kill it. Exposure. And listen to me. We can either humbly confess our sins and repent. I'm not saying do it on Facebook. That's weird. (laughs) But a brother you can trust. A sister you can count on. We can either humbly confess our sins and repent or God will expose our sins in a humiliating way. It's not his desire. He doesn't want to humiliate his children. But if we are going to be prideful and keep it hidden, then he will force humiliating a humiliation by humiliating. You guys hear what I'm saying? The fifth thing is excruciating excruciating and this is a quick one because it makes sense renovating a house is a painful process <laughs> from beginning to end if you've ever done it it's a painful process renovating a house even to see stuff ripped up it's like oh my goodness wow you're really beating on that wall when they started beating on that bathroom wall I was like are you kidding me I thought they were going to tear the house down it's painful to see what's underneath it's like oh gosh I wish we could we put that back up there you know It's painful to wonder what's next, especially if you have an old house. Oh, gosh, what's next? What's next? It's painful to maintain the work done, you know, whatever it is that you have to do to take care of it, to make it that fresh, nice house that you created. But isn't it true that it's it's painful to expose our sin? It's excruciating. It's excruciating to remove our sin. Think about the list that we just read. All of these things, the immorality, the impurity, the the sensuality, adultery. I mean, most of these things in here, quite a few of them, are addictive type things, addictive type sins. And it's painful, excruciating to get them out of our lives. But it's worth the work. Why? Because we will be renovated and made completely new. That old life will become an X. Excruciating. But I want you to notice when we just read this section here in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul references grace twice. It's by grace. He gives us the grace. Yes, it's painful. But don't delay it. You will have the grace to go through it. Amen? Yes. The sixth thing is it's expensive. Boy, howdy. It is expensive to remodel. It just is. Renovation can cost more than new construction. You know, because of the demo and the destroying part, it's a two-phase process. And so a lot of times it's laborious and the labor is expensive, very expensive. Look, verse 4 says this, though. But God, being rich in mercy. Come on, that's good. Because of his great love with which he loved us. I'll just stop right there. God is rich in love In mercy, he's never going to run out of cash to finish the work that he started in you. It's a promise, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work, he who began the remodel, will be faithful to complete it. And he ain't going to run out of cash. We run out of cash. (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll just have to save up for that one. God doesn't have to save up. He's rich in the currency that he needs to get us to where he wants us, right? Which is what? Love and mercy. He's rich in it. Never runs out. Isn't that what scripture tells us? Mercies are new. Wow. It's amazing. It's miraculous, really. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ paid the price. 
The price has been paid for your innovation. Can you say, thank God. The seventh final thing is this. It's exciting. It's exciting. It really is. Yeah, it's exponential and it's extensive and it's expensive. And it, but it's exciting. It's fun to see what you just destroyed end up looking beautiful. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's exciting. It's exciting to, to have in mind, um, to see what you had in mind all along. It's like, yes, it's finished. It's wonderful. Look at verse 10. We are his, we, we, you guys, we, uh, this house is his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. By the way, we were created. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were created. We were born. But then we were reborn. So think about it. We were created. Tony was created in, in, on May 30th. Y'all remember that date? 1974. I was created. I was born. Right? It was good. But in 1991, I was recreated in Christ Jesus. I was reborn. Isn't that good? For we are his workmanship created. In Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. This is so good. So that we could walk in them. Did you notice in, in the video that we watched, we went through all of that, and at the end, did you notice the snapshots of the finished product? Did you know that God had snapshots of our finished product before we were even born? Scripture says before even the foundation of the world. You know, if you, if you go to an architect, they can, they can uh, uh, render a room. They can show you exactly what it's going to look like. And it's like, oh, yeah, and that's the hope of the calling that we have. That's, that's what we're looking at. God has that for us. He has a rendered image of who he wants us to be in his mind. Last week we talked about the hope of calling. Paul says, I want you to have the eyes of your heart open so that you can know the hope of your calling. Lord, show me what it is you have rendered for my life. Isn't that good? Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The drawings that he has had rendered since before you were even born while you're in your mother's womb. Hebrews 13.21, equip you to equip you in every good work. I'm sorry, to equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. What has he got in mind? The rendered drawing. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans. <laughs> I know the rendered drawings I have for you, says the Lord. And it's pretty cool. Why don't you stand? I want to close by reading you the rest of that definition of renovation. Renovation is the process of improving a broken, damaged or outdated structure. Additionally, renovation can refer to making something new or bringing something back to life. And, here's the new part, can apply in social contexts. For example, a community can be renovated if it is strengthened and revived. And I thought about the word that the Lord has for our church, you guys. And I don't think it's just our church. I think it's the church of Jesus Christ across the globe. That he is calling out his church. 
He is wanting his community, his body to be renovated, to be strengthened, to be revived, to be renovated. He's calling out his church. He's calling out the members that make up his church. We, though, though we are many, we are all members of one body in Christ Jesus. And he's calling out every member, every finger, every toe, every ear, every eyelid. For it to function the way it's supposed to function. So the church will be the one that will prevail against the gates of hell. Amen. Hell. Amen. And he's calling out the sin. Here's what I wanted to do to close. I wanted us to speak out a prayer together. Knowing that God is doing this. Knowing that God is renovating his church, the members. And he is remodeling the broken damages, the sin areas in his church and in the members. I want us to read these out loud together. We want to pray these together. So when we read them, they're going to be prayers. And if you, if, you, if you want to lift up a hand, you can. You don't have to. If you want to do that, you can. If you want to, any pose. You want to. But we're going to read this together. For his church, let's pray this together. God, we pray that you would revive your church. For the members, we pray. God, we pray that you would revive the heartbeat of the members of your church. And for sin, let's pray this. God, we pray that you would remodel the broken and damaged areas of our lives.